0: Look, your act is about as fresh as a Foghat concert. The Dory Monson Show on Cairo Radio. This is The Big Lead. Coming to you from Carter Silvero Studio. Welcome. Welcome to our top stories this hour. Tell you about Jay Inslee's Equity Summit and uh, the characteristics that define you as a white supremacist or as a helpless person of color. It's really bizarre. It's very disturbing stuff. Uh, I'll tell you some of the curriculum which I've obtained uh, from that equity summit in just a moment here. Hey, here's a subject that all of us care about. You listen to the radio. I make my living in the radio. I saw this uh, article that in a future filled with electric cars, this is in the New York Times, In a future filled with electric cars, AM radio may be left behind. And apparently, in electric cars, it's very difficult to get a good, strong AM signal. Uh, For the same reason that if you work in a building with a lot of wiring, tough to get an AM signal. Uh, FM gets through much easier. Well, now, a lot of the electric car manufacturers, which is going to be the dominant vehicle in the next few years a lot of them are saying that they are not even going to include AM radio in the vehicles and according to the new york times that's a worrisome shift for some AM broadcasters you know i'm going to give a lot of credit to the company that i work for because we made the switch from AM we were we were the big stick Fifty thousand watt powerhouse blowtorch Cairo seven ten a.m. and you could get Cairo you know down into California you can get it up into British Columbia you get it way out into Idaho and Montana even uh, especially at night a.m. signals and you know I gr- I grew up just finding radio to be a magical medium. And being on long car rides at night and just fiddling with that crackly dial, when it actually was a dial, and trying to pull in. You know, if when my mom and I would drive back to North Dakota, which we did a couple of times, and on those uh summer nights driving across Montana and western North Dakota, uh, being able to pick up. Minnesota Twins and Chicago Cubs and St. Louis Cardinals and Cincinnati Reds and uh, you just pick up these distant, distant ball games, and there are some places in the country where, when you live, wherever you lived, you could by just a slight tweak of the dial pick up. Uh, and for me, it was ball games, and then later talk radio. Uh, when Larry King was overnight, and I started to fall in love with this genre of the medium. But uh, AM radio's going away, and some stations say that a huge part of their audience are commuters in morning and afternoon drive. And so... Yeah, you know, we we have we still have one of the great radio signals in the country. Seven ten a.m. It's our sports station now, but um, the the one concern that everybody seems to have about this is AM radio because of its huge coverage uh, profile. It's still where and Andrew, you and I have talked about this before that if there was ever any kind of a public emergency, because you have to play every once in a while the emergency broadcast test,
1: right? Yes, that's an SEC requirement that we relay both weekly and monthly tests, and every so often a national test of the emergency alert system.
0: And so our station, Cairo News Radio, we would be the station and we would just be simulcast on the 710 signal to be able to get it to as many ears as possible, right?
1: Right, because 710 is the PEP station, the primary entry point station for the region, and we're right down the hall, so uh, uh, us along with many other stations in the region would be uh, listening to seven ten for that, and possibly simulcasting. I don't know how it works with other stations around the yeah. around the around the region, but we would be simulcasting here at least.
0: Yeah, so so we would be on the air. You know, if, if something was going on between noon and three, presumably I'd be on the air, but seven ten would take the signal as far as possible. But they're saying that they're they're nervous now because AM radio is going bye bye, and you um, know get back to our our company because I was nervous when they told me that they were going to switch us from AM to FM because it had been Cairo 710 forever since the 1920s uh, and we were doing great but they simulcast us for several months on both signals, and then they said, okay, we're going to take away 710 from you guys, and we're going to make it to the sports station. And it was brilliant, because we have become the most dominant news talk station in the United States of America. And one reason is because you need younger listeners, and younger listeners, I'm guessing my girls have never listened to AM radio. And my girls aren't that young. They're, you know, in their 20s and early 30s. But they've probably never listened to AM radio. And so you want to get uh, the people, you know, the prime demographic, like you listening right now, uh, we had to go to FM. And this has been just phenomenal, what it's done. But it makes me sad still because, man, there's something magical about a m radio and just hearing that car manufacturers are not even going to include it because it just is it just doesn 't work very well with electric cars, so that 's a little disappointing but it 's going to be real interesting to see how the industry adapts I and mean, people were saying radio was dead back in the 1940s early fifties when television was coming along, and uh those that was a promise made 70 years ago that isn't even close to coming true. Uh, and, you know, a huge reason for that is you. You, know, you made us the, the, the highest rated local news talk show in the country. So uh, we, we still have some relevancy. So thank you very much for that. But uh, I'm gonna, it'll be interesting to watch the biz the next couple of years. All right. With that as mere prelude, let me, see. Oh, let me, let me do one other thing before I get to that. Do the local stuff that I have here. Uh, speaking of automobiles, Kia, the car company, they are being ridiculed today, and I, I don't know. I, I get it, but it's also kind of silly to me. So they're running this commercial, and it's just Christmassy music, but it's showing kids sitting in a in a car, and they've created like a virtual reality, two hundred seventy degrees. Alongside and above these cars, uh, so that the kids can drive through the North Pole. And they're doing it for kids at the St. Jude's Children's Hospital. And then at the end of this ad, they say that during this holiday season, Kia is going to make a donation for every new car purchase to St. Jude's Children's Hospital. Oh, well, that sounds kind of cool. But then, you know, at the bottom of these TV commercials, they have little TV. Tiny print. And the print shows that for every new car Kia sells just during the holiday season, they're going to donate $8 per car to St. Jude's Children's Hospital. So they're just getting ripped for this because uh, eight bucks? They're building an ad campaign. (laughs) around this charitable donation. It works out to 8 bucks per car, Nicole?
1: Yeah, but they say a minimum of a million dollars is it's, what they'll donate. So yeah. that's a decent amount. And all it's doing is giving some... I mean, yes, it does make them look good because they're supporting this charity. But then it also it gives St. Jude a little bump. I mean, they're not paying for the marketing that's going into this. And so, I don't know, let them... Let him donate a million bucks. Yeah, I mean,
0: it's, they just... it's a, a million bucks is not nothing, right? And, uh, and but then, uh, in all this criticism, people were saying that uh, Kia's uh, revenues—they made three point not revenues, profits—they made three point seven billion dollars in profit last year. And so a million bucks is nothing compared to $3.7 billion. I just find it odd when everybody criticizes other people's charity. Right. If if you don't like it, then give everything you can to that charity and, and, and try to make up for it. giving more
1: in other places. It's just that you have to have so much fine print. They have to come up with these rules because, you know, I was just watching on Netflix that uh, the the Seattle guy that tried to get the jet, thing from pepsi right you have to be so specific in all of these the legal guy jargon tried to
0: get the jet thing from pepsi yeah you don't know that's no idea what you're talking
1: about the guy that wanted the the fighter jet because in, oh! the, in the pepsi commercial it oh, yeah. had a fighter jet ago. for eight million points or whatever it was and so oh, he went yeah. for it and it went to court and it was a years-long battle and all of that and that guy was from ballard i believe or oh. yes I'm a I think beaver, he's still
0: here. Beaver, we are beavers all. Okay. Oh, you got
1: to you'll enjoy watching it cuz he's a math guy. Like he did the he did the, you know, math to figure out how it was going to yeah. Anyway, I'm you, pretty you sure should watch I had that. him on the show. Yeah, it's called Pepsi Where's My Jet or something like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure I talked to him. And yeah, he had he'd done it was supposed to be a gag and he did it uh, as as they gagged it out right. and and said he wanted a fighter jet. Don't tell me what oh, happens. I don't, I don't remember how it turned out. But I'll watch that. But,
1: but watch I mean, that. he's in these lawyer, he's in these law classes now as one of the arguments or one of the cases to study up on because Pepsi didn't do their work in the legal department and that's why it turned into such a big case. And so now, you know, all of all Key wanted to do is probably give back at Christmas. Right. And so they give this, you know, cute little St. Jude Absolutely. commercial and then... Now they have to put in fine print $8 and just as a number, and people are like, oh, that's not enough. I know. Give your own money. Don't exactly. give away other people's
0: money for crying out loud. All right, with his mere prelude. Let's get right to The Big Lead.
2: The Big Lead. I sense a Dory rant coming on.
0: Jay Inslee had an equity summit. You're probably wondering what's an equity summit. Well, it is a gigantic. Organic waste of your tax dollars. Uh, so I, I watched the videos this morning. Uh, we've gotten our hands on the materials that were used at this equity summit. Now let me ask you a question. Do you think that being objective, is that a good quality or a bad quality? Because I would argue that being objective is a good thing. Uh, to means you look at things as free from bias as possible. Nope. Uh uh-uh. uh. That is a sign of white supremacy, according to Jay Inslee's Equity Summit. He said, uh, or, or the material says, this is page 11 of the Governor's Equity Summit um, PowerPoint. What does it look like when we move away from white supremacy culture towards indigenous relational pedagogy? Pedagogy. What can you do tomorrow? So here are aspects of white supremacy culture. Perfectionism. If you're a perfection, I try to do everything to the very best of my ability. If you're a perfectionist, that's a sign of white supremacy. Um, if you worship the written word. Well, I've always tried to encourage our daughters to fall in love with reading because I think that uh, too many people have gotten away with that. A love of the written word is white supremacy. How about having strong fathers? Paternalism, they call it. That is white supremacy. Uh, Let's see. Individualism. To me, one of the most important things that we should strive to pursue is being individualistic, to not be part of the mob, the group thing. Individualism is white supremacy, according to the governor's equity summit. Now, what are our qualities of indigenous relational pedagogy? This is the direction they want all of us to move. Instead of individuality, they want collective, prioritized over the individual. Well, I've been telling you this for years. Much, much easier to divide us once they get us into groupthink. You're uh, you're white, which means you're a bully. You're a person of color, which means you're a victim. Now, start hating each other. So that's what collective is about. Uh, let's see here. Uh, <laughs> It's just, everything about this is the exact opposite of what we should be striving for, what we should be doing as a society. Uh, they say that slowness and deliberateness is something you should strive for. Slowness and deliberateness. Do things slowly, because that's an example of indigenous relational pedagogy. It was and man, listening to these videos. Our state has an equity director. Her name is Karen Johnson. Everybody calls her Dr. J. That's cool. Uh, Here's Karen Johnson who was talking about. Now, see if you can make sense of this for me.
2: But if order it so that we can bring it up,
0: bring it up full there.
2: But if order it so that we can then become truly a belonging state. Where everyone is different and everyone belongs. So that if it's our party and we want pork, we bring it. And those who don't eat pork, well, they have something else. And it's still our party and it's still okay. What? What is pork at?
0: Is this like a... Anti-Jewish or anti-Islam thing, we we bring pork to the party, and if anybody doesn't want pork, it it makes no sense. They all talk in indecipherable jumble on all of these things. And then uh, Doctor J talked about how to address biases. But in order to even
2: do that, we have to be able to talk about the elephant in the middle of the room: those biases that we operate from that we don't even know about. I walked into that space and is, is General still here? There, there's General. A Stand up General, let the people see you. I walked in, he said, hey, Dr. J, this is great. <clears throat> I give it up for the General. Now, when we have our one-on-one, I'm gonna ask you what was great? And what did you do with what you thought was so great? That's just how I roll. But it just did my heart wonders for Gov the Gov, the general, to be able to say, Wow. And because we don't know what we don't know.
0: (laughs) I'm serious. People for two days just talked and words came out, but they didn't make any sense at this equity summit. And Jay Inslee, he talked for a few minutes at the beginning and at the end of this thing. Uh, they started with a moment of silence for all the uh, violence against our black and Asian communities and all the, uh, all the hurdles that our black and Asian communities have. And I was thinking, well, wait a second. Our Asian kids succeed at a far higher rate than any other Group black, Hispanic, white Asians have a higher income than black, Hispanic, whites. Uh, why? And then they said, today, members of our black and Asian communities and other communities of color continue to experience racism through police brutality, mass incarceration, inequitable education and health services, deportation, and other forms of subjugation. Uh, inequitable education. Asians are the shining example of how if a group puts education as a priority, their kids are going to succeed at the highest level. I I have no idea why they're grouping blacks and Asians together at at Inslee's Equity Summit. And then, of course, they also had the obligatory land acknowledgement. We acknowledge that we are on the traditional homelands of the Puyallup tribe. The Puyallup people have lived on, stewarded these lands since the beginning of time and continue to do so today. We recognize that this land acknowledgment is one small step. Yeah, it is one small step. You want to take one large step? Get the heck off their land if you feel so guilty about this. Turn it all back. Don't do these land acknowledgments where yeah, we stole uh, your land, but... We're going to babble for 15 seconds at the beginning of every meeting, and we'll call it even, right? Now, if you feel guilty about taking their land, then get out. Don't hold your meetings. Don't hold your equity summit on that land. Live what you talk, because talk is cheap, and cheap is all we do. When Jay Inslee puts together events like this, the Governor's Equity Summit in Washington State, And that is your big lead this hour. We're going to check the news for you. And then we'll we'll see about this. Nicole apparently has cut down because she couldn't stomach the whole thing uh, from our little Christmas play last night. So we'll give you just a little taste next here on the Dory Monson Show. I don't know. I'll be honest with you. I don't know if I'm at all comfortable with this, Nicole. Why think, is that?: Well, because I think that this is uh, it's destroying I think it's, it's you I haven't heard it yet, but I think it's you destroying an original work of art, <laughs> and I'm not for that.
1: I think that the, in, the artistry of it all barrels through.
0: <laughs> See, I don't like how you're laughing. So, so, we had a little debate right at the beginning of the show. Last night, uh, Phoenix Banal, a very talented historian and Banel show Dory. producer. What's that? Felix <laughs> Banal. That's what I said. He said Banal. No, well, I didn't. Banal is somebody who's tedious and boring. Huh. Like okay, If I said that, I'm sorry. Yeah. I apologize. Uh, Felix uh, called me a month ago. He said, Hey, would you be part? We're going to do a one hour old time radio uh, holiday live show. And uh, I said, well, what would you like from me? And he said, well, why don't you tell a story about your youth, your youths in Ballard. And so I I crafted, meticulously crafted a story. And as I talked about at the beginning of this show, I don't do voices. I'm no good at that, which is essential if you're doing radio theater. But uh, I'm, I'm horrible at doing voices. And so, uh, so I had to come up with kind of a, a voice for this piece. But then uh, it, I was very uncomfortable, but I performed it live. Uh, it, it was not scripted. It was ad-libbed pretty much, but I knew where I wanted to go with it. So right after I'm done at 8.45, Nicole texts me, and uh, she said, that was good. Not sure it's noon to three good insulting. So it's good enough for 9 o'clock at night, but not for the highest rated local news talk show in the United States of America. That's what you're saying.
1: That's what crossed my mind. Yes, that was my reaction. And it All was only bit. 7 minutes. It was only 7 minutes, That's right? a long time. That's a full segment for us. 7, no. seven to 9 minutes.
0: Okay, but uh, did you cut pages? Out of uh, *To Kill a Mockingbird* and change uh, Harper Lee. Did you take out the courthouse scene in *To Kill a Mockingbird* when you had a copy of that book? I mean, editing no, this down to less than three out. minutes it takes away the uh, the original intent and artistry of the artist. The artist being me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Did well, did you? No offense. It's just it's a productive. Production, what choice? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Did Did you tear pages out of Anna Karenina? She's when remixing you were a, a child?
1: it. Child, she's remixing your art, Dory. It's huh. not really really a remix. I just kind of got through some stuff quickly. Um, it's just one of those things. We sell the show as a watchdog for government. You know, covering tough issues. This is a, you know this is a fabricated story. And that's not what we do here. It's a radio drama. And
0: that, okay, well, that's why now, it airs. Now, in the now I barely have time for your three minute Go bastardization of Let's my original it. work of art last night. Let's it's play. very insulting. I can't believe you did this. Okay. <laughs> All right. So uh, from last night's Cairo uh, <laughs> holiday, one hour live. Old time radio, feel good hour, spectacular. Uh, here was the story of my Ballard Christmas goose, as altered by Nicole Thompson. Uh, okay, if I press this flanger here, Dory, can you hear me, Dory? Uh, hello, Santa. Yes, Santa,
2: can you hear me? Uh, uh, Am I yes, coming in? yes, you are coming in. Thank goodness. Yes, so go ahead.
0: Well, thank you, Santa. Uh question that was asked to me was a story about my my childhood. And as yes. you know, I grew up on the mean streets of Ballard. Yes, you did. And I want did. to take you back to the... I was a very naughty four-year-old boy. I tried what? to kick those geese. What? What? Are you serious, Nicole?
1: <laughs> just let it go. You took out the entire setup? No, no. Just let it go. It's get You'll get... Everyone will know what the story is by the time you get to the end. It's gonna be great. <laughs> you, you took out about three minutes setup.
0: It came and it took a chunk out of my shin. I said, "Mama, for Christmas Eve dinner, I would like us to have a goose." She said, "All right, son." This is the worst thing I've ever. Heard. This is uh, Christmas time. The only geese still at Green Lake were the ones too lazy to fly south for the winter. But I knew that laziness made them fat. And I knew that fat would make them extra delicious. So I walked amongst those geese and I picked out the fattest, juiciest, most delicious looking goose that I could find. I asked the goose. If it was today, who would you vote for? And he said, "Huh." <laughs> and I thought, Well, that sounds more like Humphrey than Nixon. And by the time we got home, I said, Mama, this goose and I just became friends. Can, can you please prepare him for dinner? Because I don't have the heart. And she said, Absolutely, son. And with the uh, botulism now, distant memory with the snow. Well, they, you don't even know how I got the botulism.
1: <laughs> I'm cracking myself up here. There's nothing
0: funny. About, I meticulously <laughs> slaved over every word of this production that I did last night. And so now, no, well, how, how do we go from dinner to botulism if we don't explain? How and why?
1: That's a lot of finish. God. <laughs> I
0: don't need, uh, Okay, here, here, here. <laughs> no falling outside. All I had left were the fantastic memories of my Ballard Christmas goose. I remembered the friendship. I remember that delicious marbled fat. And that's the tale sound of my ballad, Christmas Goose. Wow. What a wonderful and no, heartwarming story. No. Unless you're a goose, of course. Well, who <laughs> is? And wrong. Had the goose not chosen Humphrey. Why didn't you do that today?
1: Well, Just to me. You're letting letting him I s- you're ending it right here. Why are you why are you cutting him off?
0: Humphrey, would it have turned out differently? Well He looked like a Nixon goose Mm. When I scooped him up there at Green Lake I see, understood He had a double chin Mm. (laughs) Thank you Elf Dory and Merry Christmas Merry Christmas Santa Wow That's
1: That's, a great story Dory
0: That's production wise You know I'm a big fan of yours That's the worst (laughs) thing you've ever done I can take it Yeah
1: I love Take that we can all be the scenes at the estate, together. at the
0: Great Gatsby. F. Scott Fitzgerald probably didn't write those words very well. Jeez. If you want to hear the unedited version, the unbastardized version, uh, we have it up at mynorthwest.com. An awesome audio is coming up next. All right. Checking the text line uh, man, from the 253, the goose story. Was that a story by Dory or a story that Joe Biden told? Well, it's funny. One of the parts where Nicole sped it up so you couldn't hear it was the part where Corn Pop uh, helped me choke out that goose with the chain and then uh, rubbed my leg hairs. But no, we, we, Nicole didn't take all that out, too, apparently. too hot for Too hot for radio. If that is a mere prelude, let's get to our favorite sound bites of the day. This is Dory Monson's awesome audio clips of the day. Uh, the Manning brothers, Peyton and Eli, they were asked, they do that sidebar uh, commentary during Monday Night Football, but at some point they were asked about the biggest fight that they'd ever had as brothers. And man, I can understand if. This is what led to the fight because these things are never funny. A couple years ago, we were on a golf trip, and I was trying to take a nap, and I was kind of in a corner bed, and he came up behind, he kind of had me leveraged into the wall, and he gave me a wedgie. He almost—it oh, wasn't atomic. I was, was, I was atomic. not. I was. I was <laughs> over the about head. to be asleep. I was so angry, basically because the nap was interrupted. The, the atomic wedgie was like an added bonus. He was so proud.
2: Uh, We almost threw down, but I I couldn't, I was in pain. I couldn't, I couldn't fight real well, Bill. He was mad. He said those were his favorite underwear that I ripped. And that's what he was mad about also. These are my favorite underwear. And I (laughs) totally ripped them off eventually.
0: In their 40s. I don't know if Eli's in his 40s yet, but in the 40s, still giving atomic wedgies in the Manning family. That's
1: a funny picture. Uh, Funny mental
0: picture. I know it is. I like that. Uh, him. Jay Leno, <laughs> his first interview since the fire that uh, really burned his face and arms badly. He told the Today Show what happened. It was a 1907
2: uh, white steam car, so the fuel line was clogged. So I was underneath it, trying to clog, and I said, uh, "Blow some air through the line, let's see if we clear." And then, a line, and then, <clears throat> and suddenly, boom! I got a face full of gas. And then the pilot light jumped, and my face caught on fire. And I said to my friend, I said, Dave, I'm on fire. And Dave, I said, no, Dave, I'm on fire. He was really lucky his buddy Dave was there. I couldn't even see his face. He downplays it all. But I'm telling you, he was really engulfed. I couldn't see his face. It was on fire? It's, it was a mm-hmm. wall of fire. What was the first thing you did when you saw him engulfed in flames? I just grabbed him. He he was just under the car. I grabbed him by the head, and I pulled his head into my chest. I thought it was a bad Tinder date. I go, what's going on here? <laughs> what are you doing? Let Dave talk okay. about how we saved you. Okay, so you you kind of brought him into your chest. I did. Yeah. started to smother the fire. And yeah. Then I put the car out. Right. Yeah. And I told Jay, go into the bathroom, you know, put cold water on your cold face. Water, That's yeah. I put the car out, put uh-huh. the fire out, went into the bathroom to look at Jay. What did you think? Oh, it was... Like I say, he downplays that, but it was, it was horrific. It was a scary thing. It doesn't take a genius to figure out, call 911. Right? Yeah. And that's what I did. <laughs> Sounds awful.
0: All right, and then Nancy Pelosi, one of the great orators of our time. And, man, she knows how to just get a crowd on
2: fire. Celebrate the union with ones that they love and live happily and safely, safely ever after with the person they love. People say to me, oh, this is easy for you because you're from San Francisco. And that's an applause
0: line. Mm. When you got to ask for the applause, it's not much of a lie. All right. I got to get out of here. The John Kelly Sherry Elker show is coming up next. God bless you in these crazy times. And I will see you back here tomorrow. High noon. Please clap.
2: Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. You're really a fantastic audience.